This is a production from The Companion. Sci-fi served fresh. You're listening to The Companion's audio articles, a new series that features our best stories on The Companion. I'm Rebecca Davis. In the early days of The Companion, a promise was made to put forth the effort to cover 90s science fiction. As a generation of science fiction film and television, and one that happened to include the member-favorite Stargate franchise, it just seemed like the right place, or should I say time, to focus on. The following article epitomizes that promise, covering the shift in the 90s from muscle power to brain power, from Arnold to Keanu. I like to think of this article as one of a 90s trilogy found in our pilot season. For a personal review of Total Recall, the film mentioned in this article as the starting point of the shift in sci-fi heroes, take a listen to Philip K. Dick's wife, Tessa B. Dick's review of the film. For more in-depth discussion of the groundbreaking decade-capping The Matrix, try Transgender Allegory, Applicability, and Me by L. Twine. Last Action Heroes How 1990s Blockbusters Swapped Thugs for Thinkers by Catherine McLaughlin Caution! This article contains plot points from Total Recall, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Universal Soldier, Alien 3, Demolition Man, Johnny Mnemonic, Independence Day, Men in Black, The Fifth Element, Starship Troopers, Alien Resurrection, Armageddon, Deep Impact, The Wild Wild West, and, phew, The Matrix. And it, in some cases, reveals the ending. How do you measure such an astonishing moment in history? Many of them is the worldwide wide vainly to make sense of what was going on. The American people have voted to make a new beginning. Science fiction stories have always mirrored their own eras, their societal or cultural fears and anxieties, the potential of technological advancement. They're a time capsule as much as they are a vision of the future, and few decades offer as rapid a change on screen as the 1990s. The aftermath of the power shifts in 1989 sparked waves of revolution across the globe, including the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Cold War. Towards the end of the 90s, the importance of the U.S. military-industrial complex was overshadowed by the tech computer industry as it grew in power and scale. The landscape was changing, and the heroes changed with it. Anyone with a keyboard and internet connection could now change the world. There was no need for big muscles and biceps as the metaphysical took over. You could arm yourself with information while ordering a pizza. That shift can clearly be seen in Hollywood's blockbuster heroes. They transformed in appearance and their tech tapped into the way people had started to use the internet to challenge the status quo. The rebellion against the cold hard capitalism of the Reagan-Bush administrations can be seen in the anti-establishment figures presented in the 1990s. Heroes were afforded the power to question authority and enact change through a combination of brute force and selfless acts. The need for a certain type of machismo dwindled and was satirized on numerous occasions, and the cyberhero movie even got the green light from a major studio. The internet offered a place where reality could literally be manipulated and identity was anonymous or fluid. The way we lived our lives was changing, and sci-fi films explored not only the psychological impact of the fabric of reality coming apart, but the way the internet could be integral to acts of rebellion against the status quo. and thousands of West Germans come to make the point that the wall has suddenly become irrelevant. 
something, as you can see, almost a party on. How do you measure such an astonishing moment in history? The East German government said tonight they were going to make more openings in the wall, at least a dozen more, put bulldozers right through the wall so that more people could cross to the West. 1990 to 1992, the last action heroes. Now let me see, the basic Mars package will run you 899 credits. Now that's for two full weeks of memories, complete in every detail. If you want a longer trip, that'll cost you a little more because it's a deeper implant. What's in the two-week package? Well, first of all, Doug, let me tell you, when you go recall, you get nothing but first-class memories. Arnold Schwarzenegger was undeniably the go-to sci-fi action star in the early 90s, and his five-time Mr. Universe winning frame was utilized by two major directors in very different ways at the start of the decade. In the summer of 1990, Paul Verhoeven's ultra-violent adaptation of Philip K. Dick's We Can Remember It For You Wholesale was released as Total Recall. Arnie plays construction worker Quaid, whose belief in the structure of reality begins to dissolve when his memories suggest he has lived an entirely different life. His recurring nightmares place him on Mars as a secret agent, and when he enters into a VR simulation that places him in that very scenario, it leads him to question his whole existence. Verhoeven has always been ahead of his time, and Total Recall's themes would dominate the Hollywood sci-fi action blockbuster in the latter part of the decade. In stark contrast to the one-note early 80s beefcakes he was famous for, Arnie's bulging physique is filled with confusion and vulnerability. In reality, there was a shift in his role choices at this point due to his preparation to enter the political arena and his affiliation with Republican President George Bush. Governor-elect Arnold Schwarzenegger. 50% believe that he has a favorable approval rating, a defeat completely for Gray Davis, but certainly Mr. Schwarzenegger is, as of now, the projected winner. A heart condition would dictate his workload and role choices later in the decade, but in Jay Hoberman's 1991 sight and sound feature, Nietzsche Man, Arnie was described as a man's man, or rather a man's Superman, or perhaps the simulation of man's Superman. The way Verhoeven's movie is constructed by continually reconstructing Quaid's perspective forces the viewer to reevaluate what they've just seen on screen, as the filmmaker fits big ideas into the Hollywood blockbuster mold. A distorted reality is presented about a construction worker who sees beyond the news headlines, uncovers corruption, and brings it all toppling down to define a new world order. It all feeds into the politics of the previous decade, with Verhoeven using Arnie's muscle-bound, law-abiding persona in an ironic, anti-establishment fashion. has to end here. I order you not to go. I order you not to go. I order you not to go. I know now why you cry. But it's something I can never do. Another director who was mastering his craft in this era was James Cameron, the man who launched Arnie into the mainstream in 1984 with Terminator, and who used the sequel Terminator 2 Judgment Day to advocate for world peace. The villain is now a hero, albeit still a robotic killing machine, who learns about humanity and is taught empathy from a young John Connor. It's a film where everyone is searching for their humanity, including an incredibly buff Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Cameron envisioned a softer, kinder male sci-fi action hero and in juxtaposition a wilder, more aggressive female hero. 
Both evolve over the course of the film as they battle against a common enemy in the form of Skynet's police-disguised T-1000. Released in the summer of 1991, following the end of the Gulf War, Cameron depicts a world on the brink of a dusty apocalypse. Universal soldiers seemed content to continue on where Terminator left off, with AI-controlled, cryogenically frozen Vietnam soldiers reanimated in the present day. Jean-Claude Van Damme plays the hero, who begins to suffer PTSD-induced flashbacks after a malfunction, teaming up with journalist Veronica, Ali Walker as a comedic sidekick, to defeat his sadistic government-sanctioned comrade, Dolph Lundgren. Again, you can see the vulnerability trickling out from the beefcake outer shell with the film's themes of trauma, national shame, and the ravages of war told via the hero's narrative. Yet still, the hero walks around buck naked and cocksure, showing off his powerful physique and quite literally flaunting his virility. To save the day, he sleeps with the journalist and engages in an elongated kickboxing fight. It's pure sex and violence for the most part that offers its hero the sweet denouement of a safe return home. Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley is a bona fide iconic hero, born in the 1980s and resuscitated as a martyr in David Fincher's Alien 3. Over the 90s, Ripley appeared in two Alien films, and each time she evolved and mutated to tie in with contemporary issues. This is the one where Ripley shaves her head, is impregnated by the alien, and dies at the end. Pointedly, there are hardly any guns, in clear juxtaposition to Cameron's aliens, but there's still lots of blood and guts flying about. There is now a danger that has become a threat to us all. It is a deadly disease and there is no known cure. In the year where Tom Hanks won the Oscar for his performance as a man who is diagnosed with HIV and fights for his rights as his body is ravaged by the AIDS virus in Philadelphia, the critics tied Ripley's battle for survival to the disease. Renowned critic Philip Strick described this incarnation of Ripley as a psychotic, at war with the poison inside her, in his SNS review. Fellow SNS critic Amy Taubin also acknowledged the AIDS crisis and abortion rights as integral to understanding the heroine's eventual sacrifice, stating, By choosing to hurl herself over the brink rather than bend to the will of the state, the hero guarantees her transformation from woman to myth. On reflection, Ripley is reeling from grief from the death of her crew while also forming an alliance with a gay character, illustrating the film's stance against homophobia. The conservative male anxieties about the nuclear family central to the alien films from the previous decade are swapped to show Ripley's POV as she attempts to navigate the dangerous territory inhabited by religious, celibate male prisoners convicted of rape and murder. It's a startling depiction of how the female body is viewed and debated in society and the political arena. In an interview published in Imagine Movies magazine, Fincher explained his desire to depart from the 1980s depiction of this character. The idea was not to make a whiz-bang shoot up but to deal with this character. Let's put a 40-year-old woman in outer space, not an underwear-clad victim like in the first Alien. He viewed the Alien franchise as a reaction to the yuppie ideal and capitalism, and he depicted Ripley as a progressive feminist hero for the times. At the heart of the character, he explained, is her martyrdom. Sacrifice, the idea that sacrifice was a noble capitalist alternative. We've come full circle and realized that selflessness is as important as selfishness in order to survive. That change was reflected in the political mood of the time. With 
high hopes and brave hearts in massive numbers. The American people have voted to make a new beginning. 1993 marked the switch to a Democratic government and the presidency of Bill Clinton, which lasted into the new millennium. It also marked the end of Arnie's seven-year unbroken reign as one of the top 10 highest-grossing stars at the U.S. box office. 1993 to 1996. Self-aware sunsets and signs of life. (laughs) I'm happy that you're happy, but the place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper, you got this little shelf with three seashells on it. He doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> I can see how that could be confusing. Ideals, tastes, and politics were changing, and Hollywood desperately rushed to keep up with it all. Fire after fire after fire kept breaking out all over the city, primarily in businesses, and businesses which probably will not be able to reestablish themselves once the riot is over. The media attention and debates that unfolded after the verdict from the Rodney King trial and the LA-92 protests highlighted racial discrimination and police brutality. At the same time, the major part that computer technology was having on everyday life, including Microsoft launching Internet Explorer, played into the way the hero adapted and who they teamed up with to save the day. First up, there was some unfinished business to handle between three major stars of the era. Sylvester Stallone, Sandra Bullock, and Wesley Snipes all appeared in Demolition Man a self-reflexive comedy that directly satirized the fetishization of the archetypal male heroes who played by their own rules, predominant in buddy cop and action movies. To quote the film, these men were now considered brutish fossils. Violence has been wiped out in the future in this sci-fi satire set in the fictional San Angeles, clearly a stand-in for Hollywood. But when dangerous criminal Simon Phoenix, Snipes, is mysteriously reanimated from cryogenic prison, it's up to old-school cop John Spartan, Stallone, to take him down. Bullock plays peaceful law enforcement officer Lenina Huxley, who teams up with Spartan and places the old school hero on something of a pedestal with tongue-in-cheek humor, continually misquoting their one-liners to Spartan's amusement. It's a movie that's predominantly focused on commenting on the action hero in movies, while idly throwing in hot-button topics. Hollywood was beginning to move on from the bulging beefcake sci-fi hero, and this group of expendables was certainly aware of changing tastes. So much so that even Arnie's popularity and political aspirations are parodied in the film through the Arnold Schwarzenegger Presidential Library. Well, what do you think about when you're alone? I think I want to get out of this rat hole. I want to get online. I need a computer. Next up, it was the turn of a svelte and suited Keanu Reeves in the somewhat unsuccessful donning of the cyberhero in Johnny Mnemonic. Much was made of Reeves' wooden performance at that time. He was even likened to a mannequin in Kim Newman's SNS review. But to be fair, he was playing a literal hard drive. Pioneering cyberpunk author William Gibson adapted this major studio release, which features a hero who displayed brains over brawn and teamed up with a code-breaking dolphin to save the day. Both Demolition Man and Johnny Mnemonic seem fascinated with East Asian culture, philosophy, and attire. It was early days, but the connective power of the internet played a major role in how sci-fi cinema was being shaped. Global influences and innovative leaps in technology impacted how North American filmmakers envisioned the future and the type of heroes that would emerge. 
multi-computer network called the Internet has inspired more movies than any big-deal technological fad since, oh, the CB radio boom of the 1970s. In 1995, dial-up Internet was only used by a few professions, but it would soon become a broadband phenomenon used in many households. The world was expanding, and it was all at the layman's fingertips to experience and uncover. This was also the year the Wachowski started touting the Matrix screenplay. The influence of East Asian culture, such as anime, and further technological invention would also seep into their film. But more on that later. Welcome to Earth. In 1996, Will Smith became the first black action hero in a major blockbuster. Everyone is a goddamn hero in Independence Day, but Smith's ambitious pilot, Captain Stephen Hiller, fits the typical action hero archetype fearlessly punching aliens in the face and delivering memorable one-liners, such as... That's what I call a close encounter. It's interesting to see who he teams up with in a film that extols the virtue of coming together to overcome a common enemy. Enter Jeff Goldblum's Jewish technology expert, David Levinson, who uploads a computer virus to the mothership to help save the day. You can see the evolution of the computer expert turning into something of a hero through Levinson's shift from neurotic yet brave desk man to a sexy, cigar-chomping pilot. At the end of the film, he and Hiller emerge victoriously from their mission, Top Gun style. As the decade continued, niche interests, comic books, and the end of the world seemed to dictate the kind of heroes that would appear in the sci-fi studio blockbuster. 1997 to 1999. New Attitudes for a New World. On a more personal note, Beatrice, Edgar ran off with an old girlfriend. You're going to go stay with your mom a couple nights, you're going to get over it and decide you're better off. Well, yeah, you know, because he, he never appreciated you anyway. In fact, you know what? You kicked him out. And now that he's gone, you're going to go in town, you go to Bloomingdale's, you find yourself some nice dresses, get yourself some shoes, you know, find somewhere, maybe you get a facial, and, uh, oh... Hire a decorator to come in here quick, because damn. Will Smith continued his reign as hero with another major blockbuster in Men in Black, based on Lowell Cunningham's comic book. His natural charisma, comedic ability, and music career made him a household name and a family-friendly hero who insured bums on seats. First introduced as NYPD cop, his worldview has changed as he's granted a peek behind the curtain at a secret agency assigned to keep intergalactic peace and monitor aliens. To get the job done as the agent, James, Will Smith, must first pass a test. Surrounded by stocky, rule-abiding soldiers in full army attire, James, in his casual clothes, stands out like a sore thumb. Ultimately, it's his capability to think outside of the box that lands him the job. He's ushered in by Kay, Tommy Lee Jones, an old pro who is ready for retirement. You can view their switch as acknowledgement that it's time to pass the baton on in terms of the hero. Smith certainly is a physical departure from the Arnie type that dominated the box office in the early 90s, yet there are similarities in what the heroes in Total Recall and Men in Black are presented with in terms of how their perception of reality changes. By the end of Men in Black, Smith's agent Jay has to make the decision to work outside the system or give up his newfound knowledge. His eyes now open, he decides he can't go back. It says here, the internet is the future of business. We have to be on the internet. Why? Doesn't say. The world was changing. Mobile phones were becoming a major part of daily life. Google was just about to launch, 
and communication and the way information was shared would change forever. Lilu, you're right, you're right, you're right, but there are, there are some things, very nice things worth saving, some beautiful things, beautiful things. Like love. Yes, yes, love, that's good, that's good, that's a good example, like love, love is worth saving. I don't know love. I was built to protect, not to love. So there's no use for me. No, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Uh, I need you. I need you very much. Why? Because. Because I love you. To understand who the true hero of Luc Besson's The Fifth Element is, you first have to look at the villain. Gary Oldman plays a merciless arms trader intent on world domination and destruction. Technology has evolved, but whether it's used for good or bad is in the hands of those with money and power. Enter Jovovich's naive alien out of water, Lilu, who is disgusted at the violence she witnesses in her quest to save humanity. Bruce Willis may roll around with guns and catch Lilu when she falls, but he's something of an unwitting sidekick. Lilu means business, and the fate of the world is ultimately in her hands. An ex-military man turned cab driver is taught a lesson about how love, not war, can save the day. Speaking to Entertainment Magazine on the film's 20th anniversary, Besson reflected on his decisions to shake up the sci-fi action flick, saying, When I started this film, I knew I had a 50% chance that after this I will not be in the movie business. You cannot write a sci-fi that is funny, first of all, made in France with Jean-Paul Gaultier, and the hero is a woman. If Demolition Man was playfully poking fun at the Hollywood hero, then Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers tore it apart from the inside and played with its innards for a while. Young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part, too. (laughs) They're doing their part. Are you... Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Who or what we view as a hero is satirized in this adaptation of Robert A. Heinlein's 1959 novel that itself paints a picture of a fascist utopia and a population blind to its machinations. It is left up to the audience whether to cheer or boo at the unfolding wars and destruction, much as it is in reality. In Interview Magazine, Verhoeven explained his approach, saying... Starship Troopers has more to do with foreign politics. It's about propaganda and the function of propaganda versus reality, and how it spins reality. As seen in T2 and Alien 3, the female sci-fi hero took a different course over this decade. They embraced their power and used their physical prowess to kick the crap out of the system. Even Lilu in The Fifth Element takes out some guards by combat, but she never hurts an innocent bystander. In Alien Resurrection, Ripley is revived as a clone whose bodily autonomy has been removed. Unbeknownst to her, her body is being harvested to make alien hybrids, and in the process, she has fused with the monster to become something new. The first explosion about 9.30 this morning blew out windows at the North Atlanta Family Planning Clinic. Where were you in the building and where was the explosion? Oh my God! This second explosion, about an hour later, injured a television photographer, an ATF agent, and at least... The issue of women's reproduction rights presented in Alien 3 is given new meaning in the fourth film of the franchise. In 1993, the shooting of Dr. David Gunn became the first known murder of an abortion doctor in the U.S. 
And as the decade continued, further attacks on abortion clinics resulted in multiple murders. Women's bodies were once again piling up dead and their autonomy up for debate. Ripley spends this entire film smashing up the patriarchy and literally hitting aggressive men in the balls. The alien films have always been anti-corporation, but this time, Ripley, in a screenplay written by Joss Whedon, bears all the same traits as his other feminist heroines, including Buffy, as she ruthlessly takes the power back. Y2K was fast approaching, and we were told that due to an error, the Millennium Bug would bring computer systems crashing down and cause businesses and perhaps the entire capitalist model itself to topple. Sci-fi entertainment began filming the beginning of the end via two disaster movies where comets are set to collide with Earth. It's my turn now. Take care of my little girl now. That's your job. Again, the idea of self-sacrifice and martyrdom makes an appearance. The male heroes who represent old-fashioned American values blow themselves up to save the day. In Michael Bay's Armageddon, Bruce Willis's oil rig boss turned astronaut becomes a better father and father figure as he self-sacrifices to save the world and his daughter's fiance. In Mimi Letter's Deep Impact, an experienced aging astronaut played by Robert Duvall makes the call to end his own life in order to save the world, although it's in the hands of a young science whiz and a journalist to sound the alarm. Meteors aside, in the final year of the 1990s, Will Smith and Keanu Reeves were now cast as the heroes, representing a huge departure from the start of the decade. The role that would prove iconic took major real-life innovations in technology into account with prescient ideas and style despair. The other, not so much. Still, Smith was offered the role of Neo in the Wachowski's modern sci-fi classic The Matrix and turned it down. He instead opted to partner up again with MIB director Barry Sonnenfeld for a steampunk adventure that involved him battling against a racist inventor who wishes to rewrite the outcome of the Civil War with a giant mechanical spider in Wild Wild West. Meet Professor Thaddeus Morton, kidnapped from MIT six months ago. Expert in the field of metallurgy, discovered in a field of alfalfa. That's a man's head. It's no Django Unchained, but Smith as a gun-toting cowboy was the prime candidate for a revisionist Western. It's obvious to see why he chose the role of a blockbuster action-adventure where a black man battled a racist, but unfortunately, it just didn't work with critics, and it barely scraped a profit from the box office audiences. The Matrix is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters. The The role of Neo was also turned down by Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Sandra Bullock, but eventually landed with Reeves, who engaged with the philosophical ideas at the heart of the film. Lily and Lana Wachowski's The Matrix was a true event movie and became the fifth highest grossing film of 1999. It fully engaged with the power of the internet and pushed the limits of the action movie with its bullet time special effects. Almost everyone is preparing for the worst. Potential Y2K computer crashes top the list. In Jersey City, 400 bankers will be ready to take calls from investors. No one could predict how the internet, file sharing sites like Napster and early social media like SixDegrees.com and arguably Neopets would change the world. But the Wachowskis knew the World Wide Web offered a new reality where the possibilities were endless. 
they played with the mistrust of the mainstream, metaphysical solipsism, and offered a new type of hero, a disillusioned company man and underground computer hacker. In line with the female sci-fi hero's journey over this decade, Trinity, Carrie Ann Moss, gets some kick-ass sequences, but ultimately becomes the love interest to Neo. The Wachowskis envisioned a capitalist dystopia where humans were literal cogs in the machine, doing nothing more than powering the system. The general population lived in a simulated, distorted world where the truth was hidden. It was up to an optimistic hacker to save the day. Through information uploaded directly into his brain, Neo taught himself new skills such as Kung Fu, gaining the knowledge and abilities necessary to challenge the capitalist system through technology. In a recent Netflix interview, Lily Wachowski, who transitioned in 2016, although her sister Lana did so around a decade earlier, spoke about the trans allegory in the film, explaining that The Matrix was all about the desire for transformation, but it was all coming from a closeted point of view. The progressive, nonconformist ideas at the center of The Matrix may not always match up with the hero's actions, but there is a clear shift away from what the movie-going audience was presented with at the start of the decade. The unattainable physiques of the musclemen that dominated the genre were replaced by the average Joe who could slip through the system unnoticed. Rather than hit the reset button, the Wachowskis worked within the Hollywood blockbuster frame to imagine an enlightened kind of sci-fi action hero who could eventually break the mold. And the genre ended the decade by taking a dazzling step forward. The Companions Audio Articles is a new series, and we'd love to know if you and your friends like the new show. If you do, please share it with your friends on social media, WhatsApp, or any other text groups. And also let us know. You can tweet at the Companion app or send a message on Discord. Thank you so much for listening, and I want to especially thank our paid subscribers. Without you, none of this could be possible. Thank you to our production team, which includes Nick Hayward, Lawrence Cow, Rebecca Davis, Tommy Terry Green, James Hoare, George Mole, and Ben Herbert. Our theme song is by Lo-Fi Geek. Hi there. This is Chief Master Sergeant Walter Harriman, your favorite gatekeeper. Have you ever wondered what it takes to become a certified Stargate technician? Well, now you can find out because I'm going to share my knowledge and experience with a select group of aspiring and enthusiastic gators. I want to give you a chance to be a hero too. That's why I'm happy to announce that on March 11th, I'll be taking a small number of students for my class, Gate Tech, 101. Tickets are on sale now at thecompanion.app slash events. You won't want to miss this because it's not just a Stargate master class. It's a Stargate chief master sergeant class. See you there. But for now, Chevron 7 is locked. <laughs>